What's going on, all my podcasters? See Jizzle and the fucking Wizzle bringing you episode three of today. I usually don't make three in a day, but I figured I'm going to be sitting here drinking some beer, smoking some weed. Why not, you know? Usually I don't even make it past one here lately. <laughs> um, but it's my day off. I've had plenty of time to sit here and relax. Um, for the evening, so I figured why not. Phone's charged up all the way, sitting here in the studio session, um, drinking Michelob Ultra still. Got at least two and a half more beers to drink. And I was talking a little bit about me starting out my workout session. And what it consisted of before was me getting home and running on the treadmill at my dad's house. And I would run up and down the driveway doing suicides, back and forth, until the sun went down. And then I would come in and I would get on the weight machine and do military press pulls behind the head, in front of the head, overhand, underhand. Didn't really, I mean, they had a leg machine to work, but it wasn't very comfortable, it wasn't very effective. And he had a leg press machine that was pretty useful for the lower back. But that's basically um, all that I had to use. Anything else was crunches, Superman crunches, uh, push-ups, modified push-ups, where you put your knees up on to the bench and do half of your body weight. You can get more repetitions that way. The muscle forms better that way. You don't have to worry about focusing on your form. Um, and I believe strongly in that. So. A lot of people call them, call, uh, when the women do them on their knees, those are female push-ups. That's what they call female push-ups. But you're, you're not really, when you're doing those, you're not really doing good form at all. Um, but if you were to put half of your body weight on, let's say, the bed or the couch and push off that way, that would be very good form. <clears throat> um, it's just a different kind of workout. So, for people that are just starting out as beginners that don't have any muscle whatsoever. And back in the day, to supplement for all the meats like chicken and stuff that I wasn't eating, I was drinking a lot of milk back in the day. For that reason, because I was drinking shakes, I was drinking milk for breakfast, I was drinking it with my snacks at night, but I haven't drank milk like that in a long time, and now that I'm rebuilding my biome system and my gut, we're going to have to really see what milk's going to do to my system. I've got to incorporate more uh, greens into my system, uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Um, but the thing that's going to be the most interesting is where I'm going to be getting all these proteins from. And the main answer is going to be milk because milk's going to be mixed in with protein powder. It's, like I said, it's going to be drank 
all the time. Um, but turkey sausage links are very lean protein. You can eat like three or four of those and have 40 grams of protein easily. Beef jerky is expensive, but it's very high in protein. Peanuts, protein. It's not, you know, peanut butter is not really good for you. I know a lot of people say that it's a cheap fix, but it's got a lot of sugars mixed in with it. Cottonseed oil. They say that cottonseed oil is toxic, so. point is it's processed so anything that's processed is bad for you it takes your body a whole lot longer to break down that peanut butter than it would to just eat some peanuts <clears throat> um, make your own peanut butter at home I guess <laughs> if you really want to be healthy um, some things you're going to eat that are garbage. They don't have any value to it. You know it's bad for you. Some things are going to be garbage. Um, and there's going to be many people that have the answer. They say, oh, they got the best workout routine. Whatever works for you is the best. I was doing... Uh, about 200 modified push-ups, which I put my knees off of the couch and do half of my body weight to get warmed up, get my upper body warmed up, and then I would go over to the workout machine and I would lift three quarters of the stack, which I don't know how much that was, 100 pounds, 100, no, I would say it was about 150 to 180 pounds, um, 10 times to 15 times for each rep, for each set. Um, I do it by the sets. And I usually do about 7 sets of each. And then I would turn around and I would do it from the front, you know, instead of behind the head. And there's a magic to it when you put in the effort and you change up, okay, I'm going to turn around and do this from the front instead of doing it from the back behind the head. You'll be surprised at what muscle groups you really are targeting. And I realized this when I went on a workout with my buddy, Slav. We uh, went to a gym and I ran on the treadmill. And even though I ride my bike all over town all the time, um, it targeted my muscle groups um, that I never thought I had because I'm not used to running on the treadmill. So my legs were sore in spots that they weren't used to being sore. Because it's a different kind of muscle targeting, right? Swimming is probably the best cardio, period. It's good on your joints. It works every muscle group. Um, your body weight is like a third of what it is outside of the water but if you don't have access to a, a pool riding a bicycle is probably the best thing for your joints and I keep talking about that because as, as we get older we still have to keep take care of our bodies and 
running on the treadmill or running down the street is very terrible on our joints, on our knees, on our hips, on our fucking ankles, our feet in general, all the little bones that are in your feet. Um, it's just terrible. So the impact, even with a good pair of shoes, is terrible. So stop running on the treadmill because it's just tearing your fucking joints up and you're not you're not getting the cardio that you really need. You're just winding yourself. You're increasing the risk for you to have a stroke or a heart attack when you get older. That's not proper cardio. Cardio is to be able to raise your heart rhythm to a slow, steady pace where you're not winded, where you're getting that workout. And the best way to do that is either a bicycle or a rowing machine. So, stop running on treadmills. Seriously, if you're doing it, it's just, like I said, it's just going to cause more stress on your heart and your breathing. You're not getting any more calories burnt from doing that than you are on a rowing machine. Or if you're cycling. And I've done plenty of 20-minute trips of cycling. That's got my heart pumping and got the sweat dripping. Okay. I do it every day to go to work. I do it every night to come home. Rain, shine, sleet, snow, it doesn't matter. Whether it's negative 20 degrees outside, I'm riding a bicycle. So I know what it's like to do a 20-minute session and, and how much energy it takes out of you. And I wish I can get somebody, like a friend of mine, to get a good bicycle to go on a cycling session with me. And I've got a couple bikes, so maybe, maybe that'll happen. Maybe next spring. Um, I can ride the black one, he can ride the yellow one. Um, but it's crazy, because I, he thinks that he can run more than me, and then whenever I got on the treadmill, I smoked cigarettes back then. I smoked cigarettes a lot back then. And he wanted to know how I could keep up with him, how I could outrun him on the treadmill. And it's because his frame was bigger, his body weight was more, he had to carry all that extra weight. Me, I have the endurance because even though I was smoking, I was still riding my bike. There has to be a certain mind frame that you get to where you're in the groove, right? Whether you're working out or whether you're cycling through a snowstorm, you're in the groove and you're pedaling and you're getting it and you're, you're, every muscle is targeted and you're fucking in that, you're in that groove and you don't stop until you get to where you need to be, right? And so I like to do, um, if I am going to go the gym and do a cycling trip it's a two and a half to three mile cycling trip just for a warm-up just for a little burst but if you really want to have a good little trip put it on about five to seven miles five to seven mile trip is about traveling all the way across 
my hometown. And that's a nice little, nice little burn. And if you really feel like God, you really feel like burning some calories and putting on some muscle and getting used to cycling, you do a 10 mile trip to a 14 mile trip. Which is like going across my hometown and then cycling all the way across back. So, I've done all those. I've done them in my day. And I've done a 30 mile trip in my day. 30 miles there, took a couple days of rest at a friend's house and I did 30 miles back. So, to me, I know I can do it. And I know it takes a hell of a lot out of you. It'll For a 30 mile run on a bicycle, it'll take you three hours. You'll be exhausted. Exhausted. But if you start taking in more calories and more food and more proteins and more fats, you have to know how much you're taking in and how much you need to burn off. And that's going to be what it's going to come down to is a science. Because you can't have excess carbs. You are going to need some carbs for energy. But excess carbs turns into fats. You need some fats to work out to build muscle, right? So it all goes hand to hand. A lot of people are on no carb diets and shit. It doesn't make sense. But... When people are on a no-carb diet, it doesn't make sense because even fruits are complex carbs. When you eat a peach, that's a that's a complex carb. So, to say that you're on a no-carb diet means you're not eating any fruits, you're not eating any starches, you're not eating any rice, you know, or crackers, chips. And a lot of nuts, you know, have carbs in them. So, I mean, what are you eating? (laughs) There's nothing that you're really eating. Except for lettuce, maybe. But everything is good in moderation. And I've always said that when you start working out, you need to be eating like five times a day. But it's really how much do you eat? in each city, right? Um, they said the great Kali is eating like six to eight eggs in one sitting plus other shit. And I'm like, that's just crazy. That's like almost a whole fucking carton of eggs. <laughs> but you'll find out what works for you. I believe the great Kali is going to die of like a heart attack. <laughs> Because that's a shitload of cholesterol to be taking in with all those eggs. So, you have to keep that shit to a minimum. He needs to start eating more almonds and pistachios. (laughs) Start eating a little bit of ground beef, you know, instead of some of those eggs. Because the yolk and everything in those eggs, the yellow yolk is just pure cholesterol. And if you're eating eight eggs in one fucking meal, 
You're just you're just asking for a heart attack. So I know it sounds like he's doing the healthy thing. It sounds like he's putting on muscle, but it's not the right way to go. There's other ways to get your proteins. So you know, you can get your protein from half of it from the protein powder and then just fill in the rest of it. Honestly. That's probably what I'm going to do. I knew a kid that was a uh, MMA fighter. And I asked him, how the fuck do you put on all that muscle? You know, being such a scrawny kid growing up, I knew him. You know, I'm like, how do you, how do, you do that, right? He's like, well, I got to take in at least 70 grams of protein a day. And I said, well, how do you do that? Like, I, I've heard a lot of people say that, but how do you take in 70 grams, right? And this guy told me that, well, I work for the hospital, so every morning when I go into work, I, uh, I eat some turkey sausage. I eat like three or four links, and that's enough protein for me um, until I get home and I eat like a steak or I eat more protein. He says, sometimes I take protein powder like twice a day, and whenever I wake up, I eat protein oatmeal. They've got high-protein oatmeal. So, you know, plus a couple strips of bacon at dinner time or whatever is just enough to, to put him at where he needs to be. But in the past, I never knew what was, what, where could I get this protein from, right? And all these people that were talking about it, talking about protein, but where the fuck do you get it? right and a lot of the places where you do get protein is expensive whether it's nuts whether it's steak it's expensive cheese and it's really crazy because it's like we're going into this protein war where it costs so much money to make proteins um, I thought about a couple businesses and I'm going to start writing these down into a book um, so later on when I hit the lottery <laughs> I know exactly where to invest my money because I have many many multi-million dollar ideas and instead of us investing into going to Mars like Elon Musk says which he's going to be bankrupt here soon, uh, by the way. But um, instead of uh, investing in going to Mars and terraforming and making an atmosphere, which is going to take hundreds of years or thousands of years, it's just never going to happen, for one. For two, they can't get the rocket engines uh, completed to be able to make two launches every two weeks, I do believe, next year. That's when the contract starts. And if they can't do that, then they're going to become bankrupt. And they haven't been able to stay on track for the longest time with these Raptor engines. So if you speed along the process, you're just asking for failures. I mean, you're just asking for complications. So, anyways... 
NASA's still speeding on track, and NASA's got the funding and the means to do it. NASA's been talking about in 2027 there's going to be a Dragonfly mission to the Moon Titan, right? Well, the Moon Titan um, is a very important subject. It's very near and dear to my heart here recently. But yeah, if you watch uh, documentaries about Titan, um, there's going to be a mission in 2027 called Dragonfly that NASA's already talking about where they're going to send a quadcopter to the surface of Titan. And they've already measured it. And it's I think it's a moon of Saturn, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check. Um, because I want to make sure... Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> it's the largest moon of Saturn. It's the second largest natural satellite in the solar system, right? But on the surface, they said that um, it's like four times the atmosphere of Earth. So it it would be like going down underneath water like 60 feet and you'd have like a bunch of pressure on you you could still breathe and everything in it but um, you would need a suit and they said that it gets down to like negative 200 degrees at night but it does have an atmosphere it's like four times thicker than Earth's and they said that that atmosphere can protect us from radiation from solar flares um, and it does rain, but it rains like methane, like liquid methane. So, I mean, um, there is water on the surface of Titan, and there's a whole bunch of many other things that we can terraform it to where we need to go. And we got this idiot, Elon Musk, that thinks that Mars is a better solution when Titan is really the best solution, honestly. We'd get a lot further by inhabiting Titan. We can actually go there right now and live off the surface of Titan. Um, and they've got the liquid methane there that we can use in for water and um, for fuel. We can split it and get fuel and use the rest for water. I mean, the possibilities are endless on Titan. But you got idiots like Elon Musk that... You know, all these millions and billions of dollars that they don't know how to spend it. They don't know what they're doing. They're not nerd geeks that are scientifically uh, inept, you know. These are just people that throw around millions of dollars to try to get stock prices up. And now, I bet you if you look, the stock prices are going down on SpaceX. I'll tell you why. It's because people aren't going to invest in a company that's going to become, they're going to become bankrupt by next year. So we've got all these millions, if not billions of dollars that have been spent by Blue Origin and SpaceX and everything, NASA, and it's really sad that we haven't been able to get a spacecraft built that can go through interplanetary systems and be able to inhabit other planets like 
we've even thought about inhabiting our moon, right? But then with the gravitational pull and everything on our moon, there's a bunch of moon quakes and everything. There's no water on the, on the surface. So um, you would think that a brainiac with a degree would say that Titan, we can, we can harvest water from the liquid methane that rains down. We can um, have a colonization that, that lives not only on the surface that's protected, but we can put them underground. Um, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like a no-brainer, but I'm really curious to see by 2030 on what happens. Because they're going to go to the moon Titan on 2027. And I can tell you that they're going to see some pretty shocking things on Titan and, and what they've seen on the moon and then what they've seen on Mars. So I feel like, like I said, the atmosphere is, they said if you put on a pair of wings like a bird, you can fly around in the sky. That's how thick the atmosphere is. So the quadcopters or the rockets and whatnot is not going to take as much thrust to get up in the air if it's a thicker atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? And who knows? If we can terraform it and change it, then maybe um, in the next thousand years it'll be to where people can breathe without a suit and temperatures will start changing from going from negative 200 degrees to a negative 100 degrees. And we've got places here on Earth, like in Siberia, that get down to 100 negative degrees. You know. Hmm. They still need suits. They still need a special way to live. But we'd have more of a chance of terraforming the moon Titan than we would terraforming Mars. And we'd have more of a chance to get there if we would start mining these asteroids and taking all the precious metals and melting them down. Because some of these precious metals are like titanium and other alloys and metals that are very rare to Earth, that don't occur on Earth, right? So. There's a big difference whenever it comes to what we can do and what we've been doing. So, anywho, I had to just pause this podcast for a minute for my idiotic co-worker. He wanted to know what I thought about flat earth theory, right? Okay. Sorry, just had to hit the pin. My opinion on flat earth theory is that it's possible. Because when you look at us, (coughs) when you look at us on a planetary plane in the cosmic galaxy, When you look at our solar system, (coughs) it's on an elliptical planetary plane. 
There's space that's underneath of us. There's space above us, off to the sides. So, when you look at our galaxy from the top, I'm sure it looks like it's flat when it spins around. The galaxy looks elliptical, you know. Um, there's people that say it's kind of like a tabletop, like a circle tabletop, right? They say that the, the continent of the world, the Earth, is completely flat. Um, now, do I believe that? I have a hard time believing that, but it could be possible. I mean, at one time, when they sailed ships around, they thought that the Earth was flat. So, I mean, I, I don't know, because I've never flown a spaceship to outer space. I know that there's been plenty of people who are graphic designers of NASA who have faked photos, and they, even, even the photos that you do see that come out of NASA, they're all, they're not real, they're just, from the data that they get, they recreate it. So, anyways... I believe in flat earth theory about like 30% when it comes to flat earth theory. It's a possibility, but about a 30% chance that it's real. So, to answer his question, I know he hung up on me abruptly, but he called me up and wanted to know, and you know, there's a possibility for anything in this universe. And to say that we aren't sitting on a flat plane in the universe is completely ridiculous. So, flat earth theory, no. But a flat solar system, yes. Pretty much. But since he didn't give me a time to really answer to that, who cares, right? Whether it's a flat universe or a flat earth, who cares? We're living where we live, and until we get to another star system, until we get to another planetary system like Saturn's moon, it's not going to fucking matter, right? We're living on Earth. But even if we could inhabit Saturn's moon, do you know how much money it would take to get food shipped there? To store it? To be able to get heavy equipment moved there like tractors and bulldozers and, you know, excavators and shit like that would, would take millions and millions of dollars. Millions. It would, it would, it would be completely crazy. It would crumble the stock market. If we found out that we could live on another planet, all the people in the world would be investing all the money into this other planet and the stock market on earth would crash let's put it that way so there would be two different stock markets <laughs> at that point there would be a stock market for outer space and a stock market for the NASDAQ for, for downtown 
Well, not NASDAQ, but the New York Stock Exchange. Anywho, it would be a crazy time. And to say that that's not going to happen in the next 30 to 50 years for us to inhabit another planet is crazy because it's possible. But we need to have smart-minded people that are going to be able to get us there. And once we do get there, we're not going to be stranded there and fucked. We need to have a backup plan, a safety plan. Once we get there and we use up all of our fuel, how the fuck are we going to get back home, right? So we have to have a safety plan. And I think that we need to have some kind of like, well, on the moon of Titan, it wouldn't really matter because the atmosphere is so thick, you wouldn't be able to get any sunlight. But I was going to say to be able to get some kind of solar energy from the sun that could turn water into energy. Maybe we can make hydrogen out of it. Um... But on certain planets or certain moons like Titan, they don't get any sunlight, really. You could use the liquid methane and, you, and process that and use that as a propellant. But you would have to have people fly there, like scientists. You would have to have them make the facilities, contain the propellant, and live there before we even had commercial flights going in and out, before it would be safe, before we would know whether or not hundreds of people could be stranded there or not. And it seems like every time I hear about a planet or a moon, they have liquid methane on it, right? But you never hear about NASA or anybody making a liquid methane slash uh, liquid oxygen engine, like a hybrid. There needs to be a hybrid engine because what burns here on Earth is liquid oxygen. We can switch it and burn liquid methane on another planet. That's what we need to be doing. We make hybrids here on Earth with cars. So why the fuck are we not making hybrids with, with rocket engines? It just doesn't make sense. So I think that I need to set up a meeting with NASA and have a little, send them an email about this. Because, you know, like I said, if you're really truly trying to conquer uh, colonizing and, you know, even SpaceX needs to take a listen. Um, if you're really truly trying to colonize or go to other planets, you have to have a backup plan. And if you can't get any liquid oxygen fuel made, and the only thing that you have in abundance is liquid methane, then, I mean, that's probably what you're going to use to get back home, right? Now, there's many other things to consider, you know, like liquid methane probably doesn't have as much as a of a boost payload, right? It can't carry as much weight up into orbit, let's say. 
before it burns out. Okay, that's fine. But if there is a capsule that can break off, which only houses humans in it, and we can leave the rest of the spaceship behind, then we can capsule our way back into Earth's atmosphere with a small uh, booster engine that's attached. Um, that way you wouldn't be stranded on a planet. You could get back to Earth if you really had to. I guess they can make a special spaceship called an emergency an emergency uh, re-entry orbit vehicle or whatever, but it it would be good to make it all in one. Like if they had the starship engine with the with the dragon capsule on top, that would be perfect because I mean, but at the same time, you're only going to be able to hold so many people in a dragon capsule. Right? And if there's 100 people on board, the dragon capsule only holds 25. Then you're only going to get a quarter of those people back home safe. So, I mean, really, there has to be a better solution to where we just use engines that are interchangeable, that are hybrids. And I think that they're going about it the wrong way by just using uh, liquid oxygen thrusters here on Earth. I think that NASA, with their vacuum chambers and whatnot, need to be testing liquid methane uh, burns on an atmosphere like Titan that's four times more thicker. I think that's what they need to be experimenting with. So. And I think that NASA has the uh, funding for it. I don't think that SpaceX could ever do something like that and protect their astronauts from the radioactive waves and the collisions that come with it. When you're flying in space at a high speed and you've got debris coming on, that stainless steel starship is going to be the hole is going to be breached pretty easily by a good chunk. So, I just don't see a starship making it all the way to Mars, let alone to Titan, um, at a reasonable time. So, I believe that NASA is on a pretty good trajectory for what they've promised, for the funding that they do get. And they've delivered some pretty crazy shit in the past and it's still working like the Voyager mission it's still transmitting I think they sent that out in the 80's and it's still fucking working it's crazy hmm. the Saturn mission with NASA when they had the Saturn uh, spaceship that took off was absolutely massive at the time the biggest space shuttle that ever probably took off and it was one of the biggest man-made feats of the time so we're gonna need something very similar to that very similar to the Saturn rocket if not bigger but we're also gonna have to be able to have massive storage tanks massive filling stations um, even on other planets, 
wherever we end up. On Titan Moon, Mars, we're going to have to have massive filling stations and a launch pad to be able to get back home. So it's going to be a very brave mission for the first people that step foot on those other planets because there's a chance that they aren't ever going to come back home. Even everybody knows that's watched the movie The Martian with Matt Damon in it knows that it's very hard to grow potatoes even on another planet. So, you know, with no liquid water, with no oxygen, it's very hard to grow crops that we grow here on Earth. And it would have to be done in a lab. And I have a feeling that there's going to be massive greenhouses that make this pure oxygen for these plants to grow. But we also have to figure out how to breathe in nitrogen because the nitrogen here on Earth is 70%. We breathe in more nitrogen than we do oxygen. And then the nitrogen and the oxygen produces methane together. We excrete methane gases. So. And that's how you end up with a with a ecosystem that survives. So we can do that on Titan. We can do it. But on Mars, it's just a fucking red rock planet. It's nothing there. It's just a desert. There's no water. There's Mars quakes all the fucking time. There's lava and shit underneath the crust. Mm. And there's no atmosphere. So if you're on Mars, you're getting radiated the whole fucking time. From the sun, and from the cosmic rays, and you gotta go through the Van Allen belt, the radioactive Van Allen belt, in order to get to Mars. So tell me how Elon Musk is going to do that safely. Now, there was a theory that I had thought initially, and I thought, well, titanium is the strongest, lightest, most expensive metal that we, that we have, that we know. And we have a lot of it here on Earth, but it's still so valuable because we don't have all that much really here on Earth. But if we can start mining these asteroids, then we can start making more of of that product, right? We start making more titanium, more nickel, more cobalt, shit like that. And if you were to take a spaceship like SpaceX, like one of their starships, and line it with titanium instead of steel on the outside, and then on the inside you lined it with lead, to where it absorbs all the radiation before it gets to the astronauts then you can fly it anywhere in the fucking solar system and if it was a hybrid to where it used liquid oxygen hydrogen gas and methane gas then you can fly it pretty much anywhere in the solar system that you wanted as long as you had fill up stations so you know, it's going to come down to the fueling station epidemic. You know, people that are going to be investing into these planetary 
endeavors are going to be spending on the fuel first before inhabiting the planet. You know, the fuel makes the world go round. And if you know the way how to produce the fuel, you're the only one that makes it, then um, you're a very rich man. So, now, I don't know how hard it is for these people to figure these things out, but it's obviously pretty difficult. You make hybrid cars here on Earth, why not make hybrid rocket ship engines? And have multiple tanks for fuel. You can have the liquid oxidizer tanks, and you can have the methane tank, and you can have the hydrogen tank. And you can have it all separated. And then whenever you go to a fill-up station on another planet, you can use liquid methane or hydrogen or liquid oxygen on Earth. So, I mean, if we can make liquid oxygen propellant here on Earth, we can make liquid oxygen propellant on another planet. And, you know, the whole water crisis bullshit on the West Coast about how, you know, all the water reservoirs are drying up because everybody's using too much water. If you started using water desalinization plants, like I said, then we would have plenty of fresh water pumped in from the oceans into those reservoirs. And we would never have to worry about it again, okay? And if it did dry up again, we could just turn those reservoirs, we could turn those water pumps back on, those desalinization plants, and fill those reservoirs again from the ocean. So, you know, we need to be running pipelines to combat this drought issue that we have in America. All these millions of dollars that we spend on bullshit, but we can't put in a water system to fill these lakes and streams. It's crazy. really crazy. You got millionaires and billionaires that blow all this money and they can't fix simple problems. It's crazy. Anywho, I'm probably going to get off of here, call it a night, done drink all my beers, I'm getting ready to eat some pizza and watch some movies and smoke some more weed. Getting done into the 30s tonight, so it's going to be kind of a chilly night. So I'm going to sit here underneath the blankets and try and keep warm. And, uh, you know, until the next one, it was real, it was fun, but it wasn't real fun. Deuces.